Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Welcome in. It is Orange and Backcheck episode 36. The only guy that was tenured for so long that I could actually remember him. The Zach Ronaldo episode of Orange and Backcheck. And we want to welcome back DraftKings Sportsbook. Orange and Backcheck is brought to you by America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code BACKCHECK when you sign up to get your sign-up bonus. And sitting across from me, Scott Weinhardt. Scott, I've Yo. longed to say it. It is the final episode before we have hockey. We've waited what? four months for this. Hockey is back. Flyers pens to start this thing in the scrimmage slash preseason before this all kicks off on Sunday afternoon against Boston. How are you feeling, brother? I don't think this is real. I think this is a conspiracy theory made up by Penn <laughs> Anon. It's just some sort of prank by the Penguins. That way we can't actually have this. We're going to get all excited and we're going to get let down because it's Philadelphia and that's what happens every year. I, I can't believe it's actually happening. We're having hockey back. I can't like, wait. The, I, like it's one of those moments where you just think to yourself, I remember this, the f- playing really, really well. How is this going to end out or turn out because of just every question of, question mark in the book has been thrown out and we've been replaced with even more question marks that have absolutely really nothing to do with the sport of hockey, but how is the world doing in all of this? And just the fact that we have hockey is means that <laughs> there's something to discuss and watch and see. Obviously, baseball's back. I'm watching a baseball game in front of me now that's not the Phillies because of the events there, but it's just like a sense of normalcy is what we've been waiting for and we finally have it, Right. I mean, here's the only thing. I don't know if it's exactly normal. I can't remember the last time I watched hockey in late late July, early August. Maybe the World Cup a couple years ago. That would have been about it. Yeah, and even um, then, I don't even remember it starting this early in the summer. Or late. Right. I don't even know. Is it early, late summer? Whatever. Like it, Post-July 4th hockey is always a weird thing. It is, and it's uh, – it's a strange thing, but it's kind of surreal at the same time. I think it's good that the Flyers have the benefit of the fact that we're going to see our team play here for at least a couple more games than most teams will. I mean, look, let's be real. Some of these teams might only play three games, and then everybody who's been waiting 
four months until this actually happened again are really just going to be like that. Okay. Well that one and done from that girl you met online, you meet her and then that's it. It's done. You're, you're out of there. That's it. It's over and no more. Right. Some of it's going to be like that. And you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's good, but it's bad that people are going to have to wait four months until something happens and they get a couple games and then they have to wait again until December. So I, I think for some people, maybe just hardcore hockey fans, it's going to be a really good thing to get back and watch and get into and watch this for about two months, hopefully. Yeah. Um, if, if nothing bad occurs, because the, the NHL had almost 5,000 tests again this week, coronavirus tests, and zero came back positive, which is absolutely huge. Um, so, I, I, look, I, I think it's fantastic we're at this point now. We've been waiting for this for four months, Bill. It's here. It's real. It's not going anywhere because they're doing very well with the bubble. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm at a loss for words. It's, just, it's kind of surreal. Like, wow, like it just went away suddenly and now it's coming back. It, 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 I wouldn't have expected this any – I wouldn't have expected this a couple months ago. Yeah, I mean, for my pessimism back in March when I was like, I think this is it, um, we're finally back to it. So let's let's dive right into this. Now let's do a general overview. Like now that we're back into this, we have the the preseason scrimmage game on Tuesday afternoon tomorrow uh, at the time of this recording against Penn, the Pe- Pittsburgh Penguins. Who I think that's just appropriate that they have these two matching up against each other. I don't know if they purposely chose that. Either way, like. It's going to be what needs to happen in your eyes. Like, we'll get into the what to expect out of the, specifically the Flyers' pens in a few minutes here. But what specifically has to happen for the Flyers to really contend? Because I think at this point, I would bet to say, other than maybe a few teams here and there, every team is a contender because everything's been thrown out the window. There's no right. real, there's nothing to go off of anymore. So right. I think it's safe to say the flyers are a contender, but what needs to happen in your eyes for them to really be contending for the Stanley cup come September, October, whenever they're re- awarding it. I forget what the date is. They can't hit the hot team, whoever that begins, because you have to, I, I always look at the playoffs this way. It's who's the hottest going in. And Actually, it was prepare. them. Like if, if we're basing this off March, it was the Flyers. But also, here's the issue. You're also talking something four months ago. The first thing I'm looking for tomorrow when they scrimmage is their flow. How well are they passing? How well are they skating? How well are they in position? Let, look at the little things. It doesn't matter what the score is tomorrow. It doesn't matter if they win 10 nothing or lose 5 nothing or if it's a 2-1 game. It does not matter. I don't think you'll see a whole lot of clamping down tomorrow. I think you'll see two teams eager to hit each other and get out there and get into a game flow more over than anything else. But I'd be looking at little things, especially their passing. You know, it go back to last week and, um, you know, we did a little bit of a thread looking at just basically off one picture from Sam Carcitti and even Bill Meltzer liked it was the fact that you could see that when Bill Meltzer said finally they scored on the power play, you could tell by their setup that they were going to struggle a bit. You don't, you're don't looking at a picture, I could kind of see they might be getting back into a flow and trying to get their system back up. It's all about timing. It's all about speed. It's all about being in sync. It's about that F word we talk about. What's that word, Bill? Flow. It all comes down to flow. Bingo, and that's the point, and you're not going to have that right away. Now, for instance, you go back to the beginning of last season – 
And Vigneault said, hey, it's going to take us to about Christmas to kind of get the system down. Took them a little bit after that, really, after they had that Western Coast road swing where they got blown out. Yeah, middle of really January. Really get in the swing of it. Right. That's when they started to really get going. Now, the point is, is that part of that is also flow. You're you're not thinking as much about things. But now you're going to have to go back and you haven't played together in four months when you abruptly stopped. It's almost like starting a season out again. So I, I'm I'm a little bit concerned at seeing of how quick their passes are, how much they are tape to tape, how well their shooting is. You know, are are they playing whole as a team? Are they seeing the ice very well? These guys are professionals. They're gonna pick it up rather quickly, but it's not about individual players. It's about the team as a whole. And I'm concerned that there might be some teams who are under the radar to begin with who are going to pick it up a little faster based upon their speed. I think what is a benefit for them, though, looking at this, because they're playing in the round robin where they're playing the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, Washington, Boston, and Tampa, who they've had great success against outside of Tampa. They're, they're, they have the only losing record they have is against Tampa out of those three teams. They've completely owned Washington. They've gone and I think they're two and one or three and two against uh, Boston, and then they're zero and two against Tampa. So they have a track record. If they come hot, not not even hot. If they just come out con- and playing with a good flow against these three teams, the top contending teams, along with themselves, obviously because they're in, in that round robin. That's a good sign for whoever they play come the first round, the quote unquote first round of the playoffs. Like, I, I like I'm not saying I'm not I'm not guaranteeing a four game sweep in the, whoever they play in that first round, but I think it's a great model if they're able to do just be able to f- establish a flow. We're not looking because, right. like I said last week, they're playing with house money for that first in the round the 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 play in round or the round round robin excuse me they, they have so many terms for the only thing yeah, that NHL messed up is how many uh, names they have yeah. for each round <laughs> with the round robin round like the flyers are playing with house money because they are guaranteed a fourth the fourth seed no matter what happens they are the fourth seed in the NHL playoffs unless they beat Washington, Tampa, and Boston, and they jump the spot a couple spots, jump the seeds a couple spots. So, like, it's they're playing with house money, and they should really look, be looking at the round robin as just a way to establish themselves. That's what I'm looking for on tomorrow night on Tuesday. What lines are clicking? Which ones are not? Who is playing well? Who is jumping right into what they were doing in March and not? And who is now back in... I'll just be like December uh, feel like that's what we, the Flyers fans should be looking for. Who looks who's able to pair with who and AV has already said he's going to be doing exactly that come tomorrow night against Pittsburgh. Right. And I was going to make that point as if Vigneault's already said he's going to mix things up. I wouldn't look at the round robin or anything else. I mean, you're, you're right. They're guaranteed at least the four speed at uh, the four speed. Jesus, it's not a manual transition transmission. I can't talk tonight. <laughs> this is crazy. It's it's you know, it, they're the, automatically the four seed. So um, the whole point is, is that you're going to see a lot more of mixing and matching by the Flyers here. And I think it's right. a good thing because if guys do drop out for whatever reason, whether they get COVID, whether they get hurt, you have a little more of a flow between different line combinations. Now, take a team like Pittsburgh, who really are playing for their lives, and although a lot of people are favoring them over Montreal, again, I've been saying all spring. I could be wrong, but I'm making a point. 
is that Montreal is a fast speed team that's going to get a lot of guys healthy. They have Shea Weber on their blue line, and they have Carey Price in goal. I don't care if you're going against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. The Penguins struggled defensively, and they struggled in goal this past season. So the whole point is, is that don't count a team like that out. That's not a team you want to play in the first round of the playoffs. The issue is with the Flyers, and my concern is that you said it best. They did not play well against Tampa Bay. They played okay. They didn't beat Tampa Bay at all this year. What's Tampa Bay's prime thing? What is their prime skill set? Speed. Yeah, okay? they're one of the fastest teams in the league. Exactly. And that's the point is that Flyers do not match up well against speed teams. They can play against a tough defensive team like Boston and beat them twice in overtime. Boston struggled after 60 minutes last year, didn't win a shootout all year long, did win a couple overtime games. If you get them past 60 minutes, you're going to probably be in better shape than they are. Washington, you dominated Washington this year. Granted that you had it when Holby wasn't at his best, who's also coming into a contract year. So that's going to play on his mind a little bit. And the Caps just don't seem to have that finishing touch they did in 2017, 2018. The point is, though, is that, and I really got to stop saying it. I've been saying so much on the podcast. I'll, I'll try. That's my, that's my New Year's hockey resolution. Oh, my like new that. hockey year's resolution, whatever it is. I'm going to stop saying the point is. <laughs> what I'm trying to say <laughs> oh, well is, done. That, uh, is, is that these teams, uh, they match up differently against them. So granted, they're not going to play them until deep in the playoffs, but they need to mix and match and kind of see, okay, gives them a little bit of a preview of, all right, if we get to play these guys in the next rounds or so, we know what we can match up against them and what can't. So I give Vigneault credit for looking bigger picture, and not just looking at, okay, we have to think about getting all our lines to click and that's it. Because some teams like Pittsburgh are going to wind up doing that. And that might play into the Flyers' favor a little bit. Yeah. And speaking of players that AV is going to be looking for, before we get into the bigger picture of the NHL and what happened in the MLB, uh, who are the player or players that you're looking for? Not just on Tuesday against Pittsburgh, but... Throughout these round robin, we'll say, like I think the round, like we keep saying, the round robin is really the gauge for where the Flyers are going to be sitting come the first round of the playoffs. Are they back to the team that they were in March, or are they back to the team that was in the middle of December, early January, that was ch- still trying to figure itself out and get get the rust out in a new system? So, who are those players that you immediately look at and say, "I'm watching this person with a ho- eyes like a hawk to figure out where they sit"? So. I am going to look at the blue line. I think that when you're – and if you're making this comparison, you, you have to take out the big guys. You have to take out Giroux. You have to take out Voracek. You have right. to take out Ivan Provrov. You can't talk about them. We know that they need to produce, and other teams are going to be looking at them first. You need guys like Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun to step up, and here's why. Matt Niskanen is a guy who still – has a lot of game left in him. Now, look, he he was he, he played very well for the Flyers this year, really. I mean, look, he was a plus 15 on the season, had 33 points in 68 games, not matching his career high, not even close. But the point is he's, he's still got that offensive upside, and you're going to need that in the playoffs because if the power play isn't quite clicking yet, you're going to have to get a lot of dirty goals. You're going to have to throw pucks to the net. He's going to have to be more offensively aware. He's won a couple Stanley Cups. He's got to go ahead, and he's got to be a big part of showing this defense, a guy like uh, Ivan Provorov, how it's done. Another one I'm really looking at is Justin Braun. Now, I'm not looking at Justin Braun for points, but Justin Braun all season long was a minus two. Now, he's your top, really, 
no, I don't want to say shutdown guy, but he's really your top stay-at-home defenseman. He needs to really make sure that he's on top and his coverages are good and he has good gap control and he's not getting himself too separated from the play or closing his gaps too soon. I, I my, my concern is that while Niskanen has that veteran leadership and understands how to win it, Braun hasn't been there. Now, he went to the final with San Jose in 2016, but they lost. So I'm looking at those guys to really do it. I know people could probably make the argument for um, Travis Sanheim and Shane Gostisbehere, but I'm not looking too much for the young guys to really step up and really make it be a difference maker. It's really for those veterans because they've been there and they need to lead these guys to show them how it's done. Yeah, and I, I don't even think it's a matter of just being there. I think this is such a weird scenario, obviously, with COVID-19, and now we're playing all of a sudden hockey in late July, early August. Like, it's going to come down to the I'm talking about better. playoffs, though. I'm not, talk- right. I'm not talking about playing hockey in I know, August. I know, I know. I, I know, but what, I'm, what I mean is just like the, the Flyers or teams in general – whether it's playoffs or not, when you approach a scenario like this, you kind of just go to the veteran to say to lead. That's why you have Claude Giroux as the captain, and like that's outside of who we're talking about. But my guy is JVR. J- JVR, I think, is the offensive presence that really will be one of those guys that needs to step up because, yeah, he did a decent job producing his forty points on the year, uh, but he only he's just under the twenty goal mark, which I think should come natural for him. He's consistently scored between 27 and 30, 30, 40 goals for his, almost his entire career almost. I think his career high was a couple of years ago in Toronto. But like still, I, I'm one of those guys, not necessarily playoffs, but just a guy that is able to right the ship when something is not right. Like those are the guys that you're going to have to rely on come this time around because of how unique the situation is. Fair enough. And I and I agree on JVR. JVR hasn't really done a whole lot in his career in the playoffs. He's played in fifty nine games, and thirty two of them came in Philadelphia. So he played in twenty twenty seven games total with Toronto in the play. I'm sorry, he played in uh, twenty games total with with Toronto. Seven goals and seven assists for fourteen points in twenty games. And that's not going to get it done, and, you know. And then the last time he was in the playoffs in Toronto, he was it was twenty seventeen eighteen. In a seven-game series, he had four points, was a minus four. So I, I think that JVR is going to have to be a big force because he's that guy. Look, at this point in the playoffs, in the play-in round, whatever, the round robin, whatever the hell they're calling it with all the 75 million <laughs> point three names they have, the point is, God damn it, I said it again. The, 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 what JVR needs to do is he needs to play his game. He needs to be in front of the net, getting those dirty, scrappy goals. That's the style of player he is. He's a power forward. He needs to be in front of the net, creating chaos. He has to take over the role that Wayne Simmons you know, left when he departed here. Right. He's got to cause chaos with that big body of his, and he's got to be able to put the puck in the net. JVR, you're right, is going to be so key for this team because he they he he's got to be the guy to be able to support all. I mean, it's got to support Drew. He's got to support Voracek. He's got to support Kevin Hayes, who's going to be another big piece of this puzzle. JVR is really why I have my eye on because you're paying him a lot of money. You're giving him an opportunity. The guy's got to come through, and he's not prone to fast starts. And if you're looking at this as a season starter, eh, it can be a little bit of a problem there. 
Yeah, and that's that's actually a good way to look at it. This is basically a new season for the resumption of a season that's already started. Yeah. As weird as that yeah. sounds, like that's exactly what this is. So JVR is one of those guys that absolutely has to be stepping up. Now, before yeah. we get to the overall just chaos that occurred this afternoon in the Major League Baseball and what it means for the MLB, or excuse me, the NHL, this episode of Orange and Backcheck, welcome back to DraftKings Sportsbook. The final 22 teams have made their way down to Orlando. We have NBA basketball back in our pockets as well, and they're ready to get back on the court. While the ending to this year's basketball season will be different than years past, just like the NHL, there will be no shortage of excitement, that's for sure. And there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, the top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all users a special odds boost for the first three days of the NBA season. Bet $20 to win $100 on any team of your choosing. Bet the Sixers, anybody you want. Take advantage of these slam dunk offers is easy. All you have to do is sign up and navigate to the promotions tab within the app. Don't stress if you haven't made your bet before the tip-off. DraftKings has live betting on all the games. Yes, live betting on NHL, NBA, MMA, all that stuff. And if All the games? Everything? Doesn't matter. If puck drop started five minutes ago, you can still bet on that game. Nice. DraftKings has some of the best in betting of any and all DraftKings of all sportsbooks apps. Now, if basketball isn't your game, DraftKings has all the great odds between and promotion between MMA, hockey, and baseball. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S. based and makes it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. Now listen, all you have to do, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code BACKCHECK when you sign up. For a limited time, all users can get a special odds boost to get $20 to win $100 on a team of your choosing. Any team, that's promo code BACKCHECK and boost your odds from $20 to win $100 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, you must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack Casino. Other terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the next thing, like, so there was a lot of uneasiness, I guess is the word, uh, in the other sports that were going around, uh, yeah. specifically yeah. here in Philadelphia. After the opening series, we barely made it out a weekend of the return of baseball before a huge issue popped up Yep, where 13, I believe the number is now at 13 Marlins players, 14, 14 mm-hmm. tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. So like, this is why the immediate thought I had was how did they not, how did they abandon the idea of a bubble like the NBA, MLS, and the NHL agreed upon. Like in the course of negotiation with the MLB, where it was just all this like chaos, it seemed, between the owners and players, they completely abandoned the thing that they were looking at most, and that was the bubble. It was so obvious. If they just established a bubble in one of these states, whether it be Texas, Arizona, if you want to look at Florida, the MLS and the NBA are doing it, and it seems to be working. The NBA announced also, just like the NHL, that they had no positive tests. Uh, the MLS told team two teams 
to just stay home because they had too many players testing positive. So like it, it was doable. How did the, how did it get this bad this quick? Um, you know what? It's because they didn't think ahead. That's the problem that they were so concerned about actually getting a season in, and yep. they cut it short to the point where the players and the owners bickered bad enough where they finally got to a point where they just said we're going to go ahead and we're going to think this is going to work. It wasn't even without a contingency plan. So um, it's 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 a bit of a problem there. That uh, it, it's actually a huge problem that the. After and I watched baseball this weekend. You know, I, you you we talked about it last week. I actually sat on Saturday and I actually watched a lot of that ball game and I actually did the same thing on Friday night. It was nice to see it back, and it's just as quickly as you get it back is just as quickly as they take it away. And I I I I really applaud the NHL for really doing this the right way. I think baseball rushed into it. And I think that what we're seeing happen with baseball is also going to happen with football. So, um, well, yeah, I, I have I think, a little I bit th- of concern there. But I think with hockey, I think I think we're going to get through this. But the fact that they have zero coming in to the bubbles, zero, which is right after almost five thousand done, that to me seems just beyond incredible. And the fact that Canada is doing a national thing to control everything, I, I, I think that we're actually going to see this go to the end. Yeah, I, I'm more than confident, especially as you just said, that they had no tests, po- positive tests coming in to the bubble. So by process of just logic, you would think, well, that's it. There's not going to be any more positive tests. But obviously things can happen and whatever, and they're going to continuously do testing, which is smart by the NHL. But to your point about the NFL, if the NFL is not considering a bubble – now for the for the NFL season, they're complete. They're, they've lost their minds. They they have to. They are the most uh, in your face contact sport out of any of these sports. Like you have to have to consider a bubble at this point if you're the NFL. There's there's no excuse not to be looking at something, whether Listen, it be it, Vegas, Arizona, wherever. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. You have games where hockey, it can work out. They're putting them in two different cities and they're running games three times a day. You're getting six teams going at a time and it's limited to 24 teams. The math works here. You're talking about 32 teams, 32 teams and an entire season. Exactly. How are you going to be able to do that? It just, you would it's ha- not you would logistically to- possible. Yeah. Not for the amenities, the for the amenities that professional sports needs. You're not going to get a football field that's going to be able to handle the, um, let's see, the different camera angles and things that sports stadiums are set up for. Same thing with baseball stadiums. You know, you could put them on a little league field, but it's not the same. It's not going to be the same. You know, I everything's think- going to be distance, and, and I, I'm. I don't. I don't know how that would work with them. I. I think maybe that's why they abandoned it, or maybe they didn't try hard enough. Who knows? I mean, it, it seems like to me that baseball was more concerned about bickering over dollars and cents rather than the safety of players. When the NHL, the NBA, and your other league that you were talking about, soccer, and nobody yeah, watches that. Yeah, yeah, nobody watches that anyway. Yeah, um, but the, the Union play- in the quarterfinals. So that that was oh. a good win the other Who? night. Who? The Philadelphia Union. The other. Who are they? T- technically the best team in the city right now, even though we both <laughs> <laughs> just by default of a little, just, just, just by process they play, of elimination. They're the best team in the city. Right. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. Certainly not the Phillies after losing to the Marlins and they were COVID no. positive. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, you know, I, 
you know, the thing is, and we posted that earlier today. Are you kidding me that the Phillies lose to a team that has 14 positive cases? That just shows you're bad. Sorry. Anyway, we're not a Phillies podcast. The whole, I, I'm almost said it again. The thing is, damn it. I did say it again <laughs> here. It, I, I'm never going to be able to get around it. All I, like I said, the NHL, you got to give them credit. The NBA, you really have to give them credit. I thought the NBA would be the bigger problem because they are going outside the bubble and Lou Williams did that. And, but I think that the NHL players, I think they're going to be really responsible about this. And, you know, I, I hate to say it. It might be the case where the NHL might still be the only sport playing if there's not an outbreak. Cause I think the restrictions are so tough on it. Yeah, so it could be. I, I, if that's the case, then it's going to be all eyes in the NHL and people are really going to be able to see what kind of great game this is, but I think that people are going to watch it anyway. I hope that none of the leagues shut down. I hope we do find a way to get them all going, but overall, I think it's important that we look at player safety like the NHL has rather than other leagues where they really haven't put the player safety first. So in the worst possible scenario, let's talk about what could happen if we'll just use the probably the most important player, the most important position. If Carter Hart, comes down with COVID and Brian Elliott steps into this, do the Flyers still have just as equal a chance as they did with Carter Hart, or is it just they're dead men in the wind? I don't think they're dead men in the wind. Look, I'm, I've ripped Brian Elliott a lot on this show, but I've also given him a lot of credit. And the thing is, the reason why I ripped Brian Elliott is because I, sometimes the way he plays concerns me. He, he's either really good or he's really bad. He's just that type of goaltender. And I, you know, what what do you expect out of a backup? Let's be honest. You're not going to expect a thing like Boston where they have Tuka Raska behind him. He's got uh, Yaroslav Halak, who who's, was an all-star at his prime of his career. With this, though, with if if, Hart, if Carter Hart does go down, now he did have that back issue last week, apparently a back spasm. So you do have to legitimately keep an eye on that. Yeah. Regardless of what people think or not, and it really sucks. If he's starting with back problems at 21, uh, he, that's going to be for problems throughout his career. Just saying. Hopefully it's just a small well, one-time thing. Cra- yeah, let's not get crazy and just say that back, one back spasm at 21 now means that he's going to be I didn't say done. that. I didn't say that he would be. I'm just saying <laughs> hopefully it doesn't turn into that because that could be problems because right. goalies, their backs kind of – if once their backs go, they kind of have problems. So hopefully it's just a small little thing and maybe look a little strain. Here's the point is, damn it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to catch myself every time I say that. You need one of those shock collars that I, I really do. (laughs) Every time. And I'll do it all the way from Warminster down in South Jersey. (laughs) I'll be able to do it. We'll figure out a long distance way to do it. Yeah. That'll be the whole thing. Ah, Or we'll just get your wife involved. That's, that's how we'll incorporate the wives. No, believe me, she doesn't need to be incorporated anything. So (laughs) and she's going to hear that too. And I'm going to get, I'm going to catch it for that, but whatever. So, Brian Elliott. Let's talk about Brian Elliott a little bit here. Brian Elliott is is no slouch. And I, w- I really want to start off by saying that because I think it's important for people to hear. Like He's not a guy who's just, oh, boy, we're one and done. Look, if, if Brian Boucher almost carried this team to a Stanley Cup final in 2010, had he not gotten hurt, it would have been much, much different for Bouch. So yep. he's the same similar type of goaltender as he is. So they're both just they're, – they're not – great they're not bad that you know brian elliott is is has been a legitimate starter in this league for a long time he's played a lot of games he's played almost 500 games 
You know, he's got a pretty good record overall. He's got 472 games played, 241 wins, 146 losses, and 47 uh, overtime losses. 40 shutouts, too, it looks like he's got a career high. So it's 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 important to know that he has he has put in the body of work here for a long time. Let's look at his playoff numbers, though, when you look at that. He's really only had once in his career where he's gotten out and gone on a deep run, and that was 2015-16 with, with St. Louis when they went to the conference final that year. Played in 18 games, went 9-9. Nine and nine. That season, he had a 921 save percentage in, in, in the playoffs with a 2.44 goals against average. The next year, he was traded to Calgary, probably had the worst – at playoff series for a goaltender I've ever seen. Yeah. He, I mean, literally, he got in game four when Calgary is about to get swept. He, he had a lead where he gave up a couple bad goals in game three where Calgary had the lead. They couldn't hold on to it. And he lost, they lost in overtime. I think three minutes into game, game four, he was yanked. Like three minutes into game four, he gave up one goal and he was yanked. That's how, that's how bad he was in that series. 880 save percentage and a 3.88 goals against average. The thing that Elliot, though, caught myself. Elliot, if you go back and remember from 2017 18, he had just come off an injury, that core muscle injury that kept him out for a couple months back in 2017 18. Yep. And it kind of rushed him back into the playoffs against Pittsburgh. Now, in our goaltending chalk talk, you'll see a specific play where Elliot is really off his angle. Elliot does not have – if he's not as sharp on his angles and he's not playing at the top of his crease, he runs into problems. If he plays deep in his net, he has problems. He's not so much as great as reacting to the puck as more or less following the play. So he's not a great lateral moving goalie. So if you get him moving east-west, that's going to be a problem for him. If you, if you, if, if you, know, you really press him and he can get in the right position, he can be solid. With Elliot, if Hart goes down – you have a guy who has the ability to take you deep. It just depends on how well he's playing at that time. Look, goalies get hot, and it's always strange because you look around the league and every single year there seems to be that old goalie who just kind of goes on to try to steal a series or plays beyond his mind, they have none, unlike the likes that we've ever seen. Tim Thomas was a great example of that in 2010-2011. Dwayne Rollison was also that year playing for Tampa. He did that. If you go down the list the past couple years here, you can see guys who are in the late tiers of their career getting a shot at a cup or getting a shot in the playoffs. They kind of have the ability to carry their team. The best example I can use from it was last year with Mike Smith with the Calgary Flames. And the guy's 39 years old. Mike Smith has been to a couple conference finals. He played almost lights out last year for Calgary, but they lost in the first round. The thing is, is I don't say Mike Smith really was that guy who was like, wow, you stole game one. He almost stole a couple games after that. If Calgary wasn't so putrid, they could have not putrid, but they were really outmatched by Colorado. They could have had an opportunity there to make a little bit of something, and there would be the same thing. Brian Elliott has an opportunity here. If Carter Hart goes down, to kind of go on what's kind of like a final run. He's not going to get an opportunity after this. Like, look, Brian Elliott's going to be a free agent after this season. You don't know if they're going to go in a different direction or not. It'd be cool to see Brian Elliott finish career his career here. You got to wonder how much is left that is in the tank. So if he does wind up playing this year, you, you might see a different Brian Elliott than usual because, look, the guy's 35. 
He's ne- probably not going to get another opportunity besides this unless they bring him back next year. So it would be interesting to see. I, I think the team would be okay because you have a guy who's playing for a contract and also knowing the fact that he probably won't get a better opportunity with this down the line. Yeah, I, I, this is definitely the make it or break it, so to speak, for Brian Elliott. Like whether he's riding the bench for Carter Hart or he's stepping in an emergency role, um, this is truly it, probably – Truly it for him, unless he – because I feel like the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher are going to look at maybe something in the farm system. I don't know if that means Alex Lyon or someone along those lines. Lyon's a free agent after this year. That's right. If you you look at the 2020 NHL free agents, I mean, if you're looking at goaltenders, there isn't much out there. I'm not a fan, and I don't think most teams are. I would hope not. Carter Hart's a 21-year-old goaltender. I don't care how deep he goes in the playoffs this year. You cannot leave a young goaltender on an island like that. You need a veteran backup. You need a guy to kind of groom. The biggest thing that Brian Elliott's going to do for Carter Hart this this whole round here, if if he plays, is going to be that that support. If you pull it away too early and give the guys the keys before he's ready by himself – it's like having someone in driving a car without the instructor next to you, and that's the first time you're doing it. Yeah, you, you, you know, you go through so many hours of driving a car. Goaltending is the same concept in this and in, in the NHL. You need that veteran guy. Now, a veteran doesn't mean like you need to go get an old goalie like like a like a Jimmy Howard. Okay, who's going to be a free agent? I don't know how much Jimmy Howard has left in the tank either. But he played for Detroit this year, and he has for a lot of years. You might need to look at an option. Okay, maybe if Robin Leonard can't get a gig somewhere as a starter, he might be interested in coming here and winning. Robin Leonard's been through the ups and downs, could be a good tutor, but could also be a good backup in the sense you need him to start a string of games if Carter Hart kind of falls off a little bit or if something where he's, um, you know, he gets banged up. You still have that. Again, you you don't want to throw him to the wolves and say, okay, here are the keys. We're going to bring another young guy up with you. You can't go into and be a Stanley Cup contender with two young goaltenders. It's just not going to work. Jordan Bennington last year had Jake Allen behind him. Jake Allen is a veteran. He's about 30 years old. So he's been in the league a long time, has been through it, and has been able to kind of groom these young guys. This is what they do. They work together. There's not a whole lot of talent out there. There's Cam Talbot, which we've seen that experiment. We don't want it. That was barely an experiment, though. I I, I agree at the end of the day with with what you're saying about Cam Talbot, but Cam Talbot was traded here for, what, a six-round pick, something like that, last year, and then he played maybe two games, and then he was gone. Played a couple games, and he was was terrible in each one. Yeah, he wasn't here, as you would say, a cup of coffee. He was just here. He was here for a scone, and he left. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And he played pretty well for Calgary this year. So, I mean, it is something where I don't think he's going to – he's probably going to look for a starter role. I would think Robin Leonard's going to look for a starting role. But other than that, the biggest name on the market is Jacob Markstrom. He's going to get the cream of the crop. He's going to get to go where he wants to go, whether it's Vancouver wants to keep him or if anybody – but other than that, there's not a whole lot of guys you would bring in. I mean, Ryan Miller is still playing in Anaheim. Yes, he's still playing, but he's not yeah. going anywhere. You can yeah. bring in Louis Deming, who's had experience, but Louis Deming's been so up and down. He's got a career average of goals against average of uh, – I'm sorry, this season he had a 3.82 goals against average. You can get Laurent Brassois, who played behind Connor, uh, Connor uh, Hellebuck in Winnipeg. He's 27. He's been around a little bit. But, again, a 3.28 goals against average and 8.95 on a good team. Keith Kincaid, 4.24. 
Brian Elliott's got a 2.87 out of this list. And I'm looking here, he's one of the better ones. So you, you could bring him back. Um, and not to, I'm sorry to, to really dive onto this, but it's something you really need to weigh into is that you, you, Carter Hart's not ready for to go on this by himself. He needs a veteran guy. You have options. It depends on what kind of option you either a midterm starter if he goes down or someone just as a veteran backup role. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, how is – let's just assume that Carter – like, Carter Hart's able to play in all the games. There's no problems. This is a neutral site. He's not playing in the Wells Fargo Center where he was lights out before the stoppage. Right. And right. he was not that great on the road. Like, Correct. he was very average at best, as if you were to describe him. Now he's – on the road, technically, in Toronto, possibly Edmonton if they go far enough into the playoff. Now, thankfully, they don't have fans to distract him, I guess, like for a lack of a better term that I can just think of right now. But, like, is it, is it just a – is it a wash? Like, are we – what are we going to get from Carter Hart? Are we going to get the guy that was playing lights out in front of his home team crowd? Or is he going to just be – really struggle because it's not his ice. He's like, because like we've talked about time and time again on this podcast, you goalies are some of the most superstitious people and men on the planet and women. There's obviously very popular women's hockey teams, but like you guys are very superstitious and have your routines. And do you get in your, does Carter Hart get in his own head? Now, thankfully he also has his sports psychologist that's able to help him through these kind of, and I'm sure she's been paid. He, I don't even know if it's a man or a woman, he or she has been paid overtime over this whole thing because of the pandemic. So what is there any concern at all? What we're going to get out of Carter Hart. And again, you anticipate him to work out these kinks against Pittsburgh tomorrow night. It's a really loaded way to say it. I, <laughs> I, I, I look. I, I can speculate, and really, that's all it is. And I know we've been doing this the past couple months, but if I, I'm, I'm looking at this as real, I don't think the moment's going to be too big for the kid. I don't. I'm more concerned about the other logistics of it. If something happens where he can't play, I'd be more concerned yeah. about Brian Elliott yeah. in there. I'm saying a, Brian Elliott is more than capable of doing it. I mean. The guy went 16-7 and seven on the season. Not like he had a bad record at all. Save percentage was a little low for my liking at 899. Carter Hart, for how well he played, is still a little low in a save percentage of a .914. I would like to see that closer at .92. So their goaltending was, I'll say this, if I'm not concerned about their goaltending this year. I, I, I will say that. Uh, that's that's the only thing I could say. I, I'm just, not, who would have thought we would have uttered that phrase here and, in 2020? And, 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 yeah, and that's how you know it's 2020. It's a crazy year. I just said in Philadelphia, I'm not concerned about their goaltending. I'm not. I'm not. You, you're you're not going to pin the, Carter Hart is not the type of kid that is just going to fall apart and the wheels are just going to come off like that. It's not going to happen. He's just not that type of player. He doesn't have that type of psyche. Brian Elliott is the same way. The wheels are – well – I mean, it has fallen off in the past for Brian Elliott, but I don't think it would happen again. I think I think they know the stakes. My concern is just the blue line. I, I think the concern is the defense. The scoring has got to keep pace, the special teams. So to kind of pivot this a little bit, I'm not concerned about Carter Hart, whether it's the home record and the, the road record. There's a couple different things that lead up to that. You're right, superstition could be a part of it. It could just be an anomaly. It could be the fact that when you're away, the other teams get the last change, and it could be a matchup issue. That's going to be more or less why that's happening more or less, honestly. So 
Do do you buy the superstition more of Carter Hart struggles at home because or at Toronto because he's not at home superstition, or Coots and Giroux going absolutely bananas in this pros in this season new season because they're both dads now and they have dad strength. What superstition do you buy more into the dad strength? Yeah, absolutely. I buy the dad strength more than anything else. Carter, or, God, I almost said Carter Hart. Imagine, God, 21 and having a kid. <laughs> no, thank don't you. Don't do it. Don't you do it yet, Carter. Don't do it. Go <laughs> so, down to the store, sh- spend a dollar ninety nine, and prevent that from happening at that young age. <laughs> uh, Sean Couturier has is going to keep his hospital uh, bracelet on from the birth of his daughter. That is awesome. He see. said in an interview today that he forgot to take it off and now he's not going to take it off because he wants to keep it on, obviously to remind him of what's at back at home for him. And also because as the wife put it, she wants him to keep it for the baby scrapbook when she comes home. Right, there you go. Hopefully it doesn't fall off on a shift or something along those right. lines. Where he well, thankfully he has the gloves. You got the gloves on that will cover it up. Matter. So. You, you can still – sticks can still get in there. It can happen. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, it doesn't I, happen because, I see, the thing is I, I would be concerned about coming home to the wife at that point. <laughs> you know what? I just thought of this. I, I'll have to look this up because I don't think they've addressed this. Are fights allowed in a – quarantine i don't think you're going to be able to stop them if they happen now generally teams won't fight in the playoffs they won't yeah you're seen right a long do big decrease in fighting to begin with i don't think that we'll see that in the playoffs because of every every minute and every advantage is important um but chances are you might see it if it gets aggressive out yeah you'll see some tussling but i mean if they have zero coronavirus cases as of right now you got to really worry about. I mean, granted, yeah, it's, I, I, it's being a little, it's being a little, uh, you know, a little cocky right there. But you, you're trying to understand my point is guys aren't going to be thinking, okay, well, nobody's testing for coronavirus. I'm not going to be afraid to drop the gloves of the guy. Right. Yeah. Especially as you just said, if as long as there's no cases and they stay in this bubble, I think all bets are off. Like th- this is yep. playoff hockey, and when things are going to get chippy, that's what they're going to do. They're they'll yep. they'll drop the gloves. It's it's do it's guys with sticks. Like they they gotta they gotta police themselves somehow, right? Like that's yeah. that's how these that's how hockey works. And in, in in since the dawn of the dawn of the sport, that's how these things have worked. Um, yep. So before we wrap, uh, let's get to just so we have our preview coming up we used to do our previews of the week we're gonna do our round robin preview <coughs> excuse me between boston washington <laughs> Joking and Tampa. already huh yeah well it's Sounds better like a me than the flyers. over there yeah better me than the flyers <laughs> that's for sure but i'm excited i mean I, to say i'm excited is putting it lightly i mean we have been waiting for this since March, I believe 13th or 14th is when everything went down. It was my around my wife's birthday when this all went down. So blame her for why this thing all this really God, it was all shut it. down. I'm telling you, why is oh, it always she just the wives? It's oh, always she just the wives. I hope that didn't pick up. So anyway, so we have <laughs> baseball. Or baseball. I'm only watching baseball. That's why we have hockey coming back. The Flyers play the Penguins. Overall, from thirty, just name the one thing that you want our listeners to be on the lookout for. Come four p.m. tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, for Flyers Pens in the in their own first and only preseason scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, uh, matchup before the return to play. Two things: look how crisp their passing is, and look at the special teams. Make sure the special teams are up to be uh, are on uh, are clicking pretty well. 
They only have really one game to get it right here. Actually, technically, they got three. Uh, right. They, have they really, they really have four. They really have four. They have the, really? the, the, the Penguins game and the other three games, like when things really mean something. Like, I I, I yeah. think, like we talked about, they are the four seed no matter what happens. They're playing with house money. Uh, AV, who, as we've talked to, to about time and time again, he is an experienced coach. He knows how to get his guys motivated, especially in that first couple years of his tenure at these teams. So, I don't think it's a matter of reallocating themselves into the AV system. I think that is ingrained in them. I think it's just knocking off the rust. Who is still in what? Who is still in the form that they were in March, and who needs to get back to it from when they were back in yep. mid-January, Agreed. late December? That's really Agreed. what it's going to come down to. Agreed. And you'll know the rust is knocked off when you see how crisp the passes are. If you see a lot of passes that aren't really hitting, they're not really getting their stride, their speed through the middle. That's when you know the rust is still there. If they start, if they start moving pretty quickly and their passes are good, and they move through the neutral zone pretty quickly, get the puck in deep, and start forechecking. Okay, then I'd be really less concerned about the rust and really just focus in on the special teams because what I heard from the practices last week didn't really make me feel any confident about the special teams, and that's something that's going to be key in the playoffs because when you have a power play in the playoffs, you have to score. Now, granted, you won't do it every single time, but if you get three power plays a game, you better be at least one for three. So that's the important thing about the playoffs that every single penalty, every single advantage you have, you're going to have to kick and claw to this damn thing because you know what, people? Guess what? We are looking at hockey again, and somebody's winning that Stanley Cup, and I really hope it's orange and black this year. Of course. So that'll do it uh, for this edition of Orange and Backcheck, episode 36. Hey, we talked about Zach Ronaldo because uh, he didn't get any playoff time come when the team made the playoffs in his year's tenure because he was the fighter and he was absolutely useless then. So it all comes full circle for episode 36 of Orange and Backcheck. We will be back. We'll have a full reaction podcast after, after the Boston game on Sunday afternoon. What is your prediction, real quick, Scott? Who wins in the first game back of Boston and Philadelphia in Toronto? Uh, Boston. They got David Pasternak back today. That's a huge, huge thing for them. I've been doing a lot of over this time, doing a lot of research on all the teams. Um, the the previews, they, they, they won't have as much. It won't be completely boring you with details, but we'll go into it a little bit when we look at the playing around. Boston is still the most dangerous team out there. They are going to be a problem. David Pasternak this year had 48 goals, 47 assists, 95 points. Brad Marchand, 87 points. And the closest one to them, their heart and soul, that team, Patrice Bergeron, 56 points. So um, they're loaded. They are efficient offensively. They are very, very good defensively. Very, very good defensively. And they're elite in goals. So they are the team to beat. I'll tell you what, if that to be a good game for the Flyers to really get up and get into it. Because the last team they played before this all happened was Boston. Was Boston. And they didn't score a damn goal. So yeah, they, they got shut out. Nothing. They did. And Tuka Rask's 32nd birthday. So you have to think, and hopefully, because Tuka Rask has a ridiculous record against the Flyers. I mean, it's something along the lines of, I think he is, his career record between the Flyers is 15-2 and 4 with a record a record with a 934 save percentage. So um he plays lights out against the Flyers. 
they really need to get a win against him. I, I but I still at the same time going back into it, one game in, I my money would go on Boston to start this off, but in a seven game series, orange and black all the way. Yeah, and I think it's also a matter of with this how this round robin is working. I think Boston has a chip on their shoulder. They were the pre, they're the self they're, they're the uh, proclaimed President Trophy winners. They're still having to play for the top seed, which I think they find unfair, despite them voting for it in favor of this format. I think they're going to come out guns blazing and ready to go to say, "You try to take this number one seed away from us? No way, not a chance in hell." This is our top seed, and we're not letting it go. Because despite Look, all we think about th- what whatever happens in the NHL playoffs, that number one still number one seed still means something to a lot of these teams. And I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Boston does not want to be saying we were the top team in the NHL come the regular season, and we still were not the top seed. There's no way they're going to want to say that, and they're going to come out with a fire that not that we haven't seen, but something that, well, we haven't seen since March. Like that's really what I like. Yeah. We haven't like, that's, that's how I take it. So I agree with you. I think Boston's going to win this game. I think it'll be closer than I think it might be an overtime win though. I think that's yeah. the silver lining. I think Ooh, that'll be an over, you, you, overtime. You're, win. you're looking at Boston an extra time. Well, give me credit, yeah. buddy. I Cause I like credit. that they're doing, I like that they're doing the, the regular season, uh, overtime rules for the round robin, Speci- only the round robin for the play-in round or whatever it is where the other teams outside the top four are playing. They're playing the best of five with playoff rules. I like the round robin, which doesn't mean as much, but it still means something to most of these teams, inclu- especially Boston. Uh, I think it's smart to just say, okay, we're going to just do the regular season overtime and shootout rules. I think that's yeah. smart by the NHL. Absolutely smart. They've been really, really smart about this. And I, I'm I'm really happy to say that I'm a hockey fan at this point because damn it, I said it again. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know what? Let's just wrap the show. I'm happy NHL's doing this. I'm not gonna give them any more credit because they're gonna make me say the point is. God right. damn it. Well, well, we'll get back to this. We'll hear Scott him say the point is once again on Sunday at night after the Boston game. We'll talk to you guys then. That's where we're going to change the, the the name of the pod. It's going to go from Orange and Backcheck to the Point Is Podcast. Yeah, that's actually that's actually not a bad name if we were in the in, still in the pre production of how we were going to do this show. That's anyway, we are still doing Orange and Backcheck <laughs> podcast. That is not going to change. But remember, before Sunday's game against Boston, and I'm pretty sure you can also bet on. I'll I'll email. Dr- DraftKings, and I'll tweet it out if you can. I'm pretty sure you can even bet on tomorrow, Tuesday afternoon's preseason scrimmage against Pittsburgh on DraftKings. But when you sign up, always remember, use the promo code BACKCHECK when you're signing up and get that $20 bonus that can be turned into $100 just by betting on any team of your choosing. That's 5-1 to odds. That's 5-1 to odds right there. $20 $20 and they win 100 bucks right into your account. That's all you have to do. Buy that $20. Yeah. Orange and back check. That is the podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Email, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Orange and Back Check. Uh, that's all I got. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday, hopefully after a Flyers win, despite our prediction that a Boston win. Hopefully we're celebrating a return of the Flyers hockey that we saw in March. For Sky Linehart, I'm Bill Kornfeld. We'll talk to you guys Sunday afternoon. The point is, hockey is back! Do, 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 do.
ドゥルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルルル